Money Morning Rundown, Business First with Angela Miles. Hello from the floor of the Chicago Board Options Exchange. I'm Angela Miles. Thank you so much for watching this special edition of Business First AM. Coming up on our show today, soaring stocks, the stocks traders say have the potential to rally into the end of the year. 3D mania, how 3D companies are giving investors a new view. Startup city, why the town of Austin is roping in entrepreneurs. And debt-free diva, the snowball strategy that promises to melt your debt. In today's Trader Rundown, Tim Bigham of Options Insider is here for his trader tips and more on this market. Good morning to you. Good morning, Angie. What is your strategy going forward here with this current market? Yeah, I think uh, going from now till end of the year, normally obviously a bullish period, although I think it'll be less bullish than normal given the fact that, you know, we have seen such a big rally over the past three years. So I expect a, kind of a diminished rally, but a rally nonetheless. So, you know, maybe a one, one and a half percent kind of gain till year end. What's a conservative way to play this market do you think yeah I think really going with the higher yielding stocks the lower beta names you know the stalwarts if you will so lean on that yield lean on the fact that they do tend to go down less if the market does go down but they also go up less if the market goes up so just a more conservative play so true and what are some of the names on your list for those high yielders that you like or maybe you're putting your clients into right now Tim yeah absolutely I like uh, kind of the big names the Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, Pepsi's of the world, you know, that McDonald's, everyone kind of knows the names. Certainly those have a nice yield, somewhere around 3%, which is more, you know, than the 10-year U.S. Treasury. So, you know, I like the fact that you're getting that yield and you're getting a name that certainly you can kind of hang your hat on. Anything you'd stay away from? Yeah, really the big Momo names here. I think uh, if we do have, you know, some sort of big sell-off, they'll attack those, you know, kind of high beta names here. So, you know, the Netflix of the world, those kind of stocks that do move around a lot, as you know, Angie, I always tend to be a chicken or a conservative, how you I want to term it. You can be the frightened guy, but exactly. what about Apple? This is such a big player in the market. Yeah, absolutely. Apple would be a name that I think you have as a core of your portfolio, no pun intended. Nice. Certainly the yield there is approaching again kind of that two and a half percent level. So, you know, I like Apple and although the growth has slowed, I think, you know, the cash they have on their balance sheet, albeit offshore, is certainly a buffer and that stock, I think, when uh, the market it gets troubled people tend to run into apple a little bit thank you tim you bet thank you angie now for a trip to austin texas the southwest city is quickly becoming a hotbed for startups kai sisson takes us there in true startup fashion entrepreneurs john kirk and richard priedo wear flip-flops cargo shorts and sunglasses to pitch their company to a panel of judges at a startup competition sponsored by ibm their businesses converge, a platform for companies to collaborate from anywhere in real time. Originally founded in Philadelphia, they are among many entrepreneurs that have relocated to Austin, Texas for its booming tech scene and thriving startup culture. We're still so new to the game here, we're just trying to get plugged in with the right experiences, networks and events. There's so many that we haven't even begun to tap into what we can find in the town. Along with Austin's networking and mentorship opportunities, the tax environment in Texas is enticing for new businesses. With zero personal and corporate income taxes and a low cost of living, Austin makes for a startup heaven.
I think Texas is, is a neat reason for a couple of reasons. Besides the skills and that, that uh, startup ecosystem, um, it does have a lower cost of living than, than out in places like Silicon Valley that allow those companies to have a longer run rate before they run out of cash. We knew that we needed to relocate somewhere. We came together as a team to figure out where it was going to make the most sense, and Austin was that city. Finding a startup in Austin is like finding good barbecue. It's not that hard. According to a recent study, Austin boasts an average 550 new startups every month. This Kauffman Foundation study reported Austin in the lead, with Miami coming in second at 520 startups per month and San Jose at 420. In Austin, Texas, Kai Sisson, Business First AM. According to the Austin Chamber of Commerce, venture capital funding there hit a 13-year record high of more than $1 billion in 2014 alone. Now over to Fritz Goldman on how to pick the right credit card. Fritz. With the holidays upon us, keep an eye out for credit card offers in your mailbox or at the store. Although credit cards and charge accounts can help manage your cash flow, there may be certain types of accounts to avoid. Matt Schultz, CreditCard.com's senior analyst, has some tips to avoid getting ripped off. If you carry a balance, retail credit cards just might not be for you. Even with all the rewards and discounts, the math just doesn't work in your favor with all of those high interest rates, so your better move is probably just to shop around for some lower interest cards. Keep in mind that even if there's a tempting benefit with the charge account, if you open one and then close it after you've paid off the balance, it still counts against your credit score. Back to you. 3D printers are becoming more sophisticated and it's no longer just a novelty. These machines can make prosthetic body parts and even musical instruments. It's creating a disruption for some parts of the economy. Who stands to gain and who stands to lose? Diane Mocha has the details. Just like the process of adding layers of plastic little by little, the world of 3D printing itself is also growing bigger by the minute, and so are its impacts on the economy. We're going to see uh, manufacturing jobs returning to the United States in a new way. It's going to be digital manufacturing, um, but it's going to be hugely impactful. But 3D printing is not your father's manufacturing. It's customized, it's localized, and it's going to be affordable. It came from an idea of sharing knowledge and an open source community and about letting the designs of these machines be shared so that anybody can make one. The founder of the 3D Printer Experience uses her colorful outreach space to introduce this technology to a new audience and her basement industrial space to create high-resolution nylon parts and designs. But other 3D printers are going well beyond plastics, using ceramics, metals, and more. I think what's important to know about bioprinting is that you are using the cells that are genetically identical to you. Analysts predict 3D printing will drastically decrease the need for certain industries, like shipping and warehouse storage. In fact, experts say that's already happening now in the manufacturing sector and will likely reach the consumer level within five years. We're going to see a host of locations like this uh, popping up in big cities like Chicago at first, but also in smaller communities. Uh, and everyone's going to have access to it. They're going to be ubiquitous around the country. Experts say consumers will clamor for customized products, like a pair of shoes designed to fit your foot, and convenient ones, like an immediate replacement part to fit your washing machine. Julie says bigger companies are more worried than eager, moving much slower towards the technology than individual pie-in-the-sky inventors. Diane Mocha for Business First AM.
There are several publicly traded 3D companies, among them Stratasys, X1, and 3D Systems, just to name a few. It's long been known, opposites attract, but what happens when a spender marries a saver? Here's today's Money and Marriage tip. Hi everyone, I'm Gemma Allen. A big wedding or a small one? Among the first decisions every couple makes together is what kind of wedding they want. For many couples, it's an expensive wedding. Would it surprise you to know that a third of couples go into debt to pay for their big day? It's understandable. Couples who are high on love and rich in friends want to share their joy. But before you pay more than you can afford, think about what else the money could buy. A down payment on a home, a car, or the start of a nest egg to name just a few. Then have an honest discussion about a realistic budget for the wedding with the funds you two actually have. Finally, remember, honor each other's money personality. If you must disagree on wedding dreams, do it respectfully. An affordable celebration that becomes a beautiful memory is really better than that bad debt nightmare. I'm Gemma Allen, and that's my marriage money gem for today. Ask me your questions on Facebook at Business First AM. Coming up, interns are not just out of school anymore. The trend of older, sometimes much older interns in the workplace. And she's a debt-free diva. She's here to school us on just what kind of snowball fight we should be in. The debt snowball fight. And average Joe investors don't need to be intimidated by big oil stocks. A trader breaks it down in Investing 101. We'll be back. A hit new film is making waves in the job market. Joining me now is Andy Challenger of Challenger Gray and Christmas to talk about The Intern. Good to have you here. Thanks, Angie. Thanks for having me on. Let's set the movie up a bit. So you're Jill's new driver? No, actually, I'm her intern. That's hysterical. Robert De Niro becomes an intern. He's a widower and he's looking for a job. Yeah, and so it, you know, we don't necessarily see a lot of people in their late 60s and 70s doing internships for little to no pay, but we, it does speak to a trend where people are working later in their lives now. Uh, we actually have seen an increase this year in Americans 65 and older, a 6.5% increase in total workers in the American economy. So uh, people are working later in life. One thing that the movie brings out is this issue of ageism. Is that a true reality in yeah. the American workplace? It is, um, especially in uh, employment situations that are now dominated by technology. Uh, often people at, you know, after they turn 65 in their 70s can feel a little outdated. But in reality, employers are starting to realize that there's a breadth of experience available in this demographic group. And uh, sometimes people are willing to work, take a little bit less responsibility, work for a lower amount of pay, but still provide great experience to companies. There is a school of thought that it it's good to have older workers and younger workers. That mix could be a positive. Oh, absolutely. When you pair up a team of millennials with somebody that has an old-fashioned customer service sense and experience and wisdom in the workplace, you can get a great combination of, of productivity. Should some of these older workers serve as mentors? 
certainly you're starting to see that um, more companies across the country are developing really strong in uh, uh, coaching and mentor programs within their organization um, you know solid uh, uh, situations where somebody uh, that's more uh, uh, experienced in their career gets paired with a millennial and they work on projects together uh, throughout the year what other trends are you seeing with workers who are older and younger in the labor force um, so you know we're seeing uh, some structural changes in the labor force because baby boomers are starting to retire now that their uh, you know financial statements have recovered from the recession as well as Millennials are starting to uh, take a little longer before they enter the workforce they're staying later in school uh, and other activities before they start their careers so we're seeing a little bit of shrinking on both ends always a great pleasure to have you here come back next week thanks for having me on Angie Coming up next on the show, all about paying down debt, the debt diva will be here sharing her useful tips on digging out from tens of thousands of dollars of debt, plus new ideas on how to pay off student loans. Business First continues right after this. Welcome back. Two-thirds of college students needed to borrow money in 2015. Graduating with a loaded debt doesn't have to be a given. MarketWatch.com outlines some creative alternatives to taking out loans. Some options to consider, so-called work colleges. Now, these schools don't charge any tuition. Instead, the colleges have businesses run by students, such as hotels, and that keeps costs down. Reserve Officers Training Corp, or ROTC, for any student interested in a military career, ROTC scholarships pay a substantial portion of college costs in exchange for at least four years of service and don't overlook community colleges two years spent at a community college can earn a student an associate's degree or get all those prerequisite courses out of the way for a fraction of the cost of a four-year institution those course credits can be transferred to a university Fritz Goldman has ways to save money by using the right credit card do you need to borrow money? Well, what are you waiting for? Many people have already benefited from historically low rates. According to a Gallup survey, 58% say they've either taken out a car loan, mortgage, or other kind of loan over the past two years. Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com, offers some tips on lending. Well, now's a great time to be locking in fixed rates. You want to reduce your exposure to variable rates. So grab those 0% balance transfer offers on credit cards while you still can. Uh, when the Fed eventually starts to move away from 0% interest rates, you can bet credit card issuers will do the same. So you know, grab those offers now. That gives you a great window of opportunity to repay debt refinance out of an adjustable rate mortgage and lock in a fixed rate mortgage. Uh, you don't want to uh, be holding that adjustable rate mortgage too long only to see your payments go up uh, by a significant measure. Getting a loan can be even easier now too. The national average FICO score is now 695. That's the highest it's been in more than a decade. One thing to note, keep your credit score in mind. Generally, the higher that number, the easier terms you'll be getting on your loan. You can also check your credit report for free using the government's annualcreditreport.com and many credit card issuers now are providing free credit scores monthly. Back to you, Angie. Welcome back to the show. Look who's standing by my side. It's the founder of the Debt Free Divas. She is Tony Husbands. Good to have you back with us. Thanks for having me. Tony's story is she and her husband were once $107,000 in debt. Guess what? Now they are debt free. So your story is really tremendous and I appreciate you coming back from time to time to talk more about this. But we want to talk right now about how you did this and you used something called a debt snowball. 
explain what that is. Well, a debt snowball is a process by which you order your debt from smallest to largest. And I know it can seem counterintuitive, but you do this so that you can address take all of your extra funds, all of your extra cash, and apply that to the smallest debt on the list. You do that and you pay minimums on everything else, you attack that first debt, pay that off, and then what you do is you take everything that you've been paying and apply that to the next item on the list. And you're gonna do this over and over until you've satisfied all of the debt. Now again, that's why we call it the debt snowball. It's popularized by Dave Ramsey, but the, but researchers at Northwestern's uh, business school, Kellogg, have found that the debt snowball is most effective for helping people get out of debt and do it fastest. I think I can understand this just from a standpoint of once you pay off a bill, you feel so good and it makes you want to do yes. it again and it reinforces yes. that positive feeling from within. Right, quick wins. That is the key to the debt snowball. Builds the momentum and as your snowball, your debt snowball grows and that is the money that you have available to address or pay off your debt, then you, you kind of enjoy the momentum and, and, and that intensity grows and then you're a little bit more motivated to stick with your goal and, and accomplish it. Let's talk about your personal story. What was your smallest debt that you started to pay off? My smallest debt would probably have been, and I'll, I'll have to say, a timeshare. Uh, we, we had a timeshare, which is something I definitely encourage people to stay away from. But we were, were young and impressionable, so we, we bought a timeshare. And I think that was our smallest debt at the time. And so when we were able to eliminate that, we were it, it just really gave us the motivation to kind of go into some of those larger bills because we had student loans, which were in the you know five-digit um, thousands of dollars, car loans, leases, things like that, um, that are seem a lot daunting, a lot more daunting, but when you take, when you see that you can make some accomplishment, accomplishment and make some progress with those smaller ones, it gives you the, sure, the sure. confidence to keep going. Okay, so here you were, you were paying off this timeshare. Where did you find the cash to be able to do that? Because I'm imagining you were probably pretty strapped at this point. So one of the things that we like to talk about at, with the Debt Free Divas is giving yourself a raise in 21 days. And so we take, what we do is we take um, very small adjustments in your everyday life and look at ways to maximize the cash that you have. So it's really, I really encourage people to really be objective about where their money is going. If you give every penny a purpose, then you can take back control over where you're spending and redirect those funds to, to address some of the things that you're um, trying to accomplish, in our case, paying off debt. Writing down where your money goes always works. Good to have you here. And if you missed any of this or you want to see this conversation again, you can find our Debt Diva on YouTube at Business First with Angela Miles. Thank you. Still to come on the show, all you need to know about investing in small cap stocks. That's still to come right after this break. Matt Shapiro, president of MWS Capital, is here for Investing 101 with us today. Always good to have you on the show, Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Angie. Okay, so you're looking at some small companies that are related to oil. What would be a name that you would maybe look at here, or maybe you have bought the stock? Well, let's think about something that you don't think about, which is Heartland Express, which is a trucking company. Coast to coast provides goods for Walmart, uh, UPS, uh, FedEx does shipping. 
Um, even companies like that in the transportation industry have been affected by the shakeout in oil. Look at all the rails, Union Pacific, Norfolk Southern. We're talking about slightly bigger companies. Now directly into oil, we can talk about some really high fire names here, such as California Resources, very controversial stock, which it shouldn't be because it is the largest oil producer in the state of California, having been spun off from Occidental Petroleum. However, it was loaded with $6 billion in debt. Um, its cash flow, of course, negative now with oil prices being down. So it's an extremely leveraged play versus rising oil prices. But if we continue to have the recovery in oil driving the market, to the end of the year, this stock could double. Thank you. Come back soon. Thanks. We hope you'll keep in touch with Business First AM throughout the day. You can find us on YouTube at Business First with Angela Miles and on Facebook, Business First AM. We always appreciate when you subscribe, like, and share our show. That's it for today. From all of us at Business First AM, thank you for watching. Keep in mind, investment recommendations, ideas, and opinions presented on Business First AM are solely those of the traders, hosts, analysts, and experts, and do not reflect the recommendations or opinions of Business First AM, its owners, any television broadcaster, social media site, website, or podcast. You should be cautious about any and all investment recommendations presented on Business First AM and should consider the source of any advice on investment selection. Various factors, including personal, or corporate ownership may influence the opinions and investment recommendations of traders, hosts, analysts, and experts quoted on Business First AM. You should not treat any recommendation or opinion expressed on Business First AM as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular trading strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. If you rely on these opinions and recommendations, you do so at your own risk. The opinions expressed on Business First AM do not take into account your individual investment objectives or financial needs and are not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned on this program. In addition, you are reminded that any investment past performance is no guarantee or indicator of future performance.